Are your speaking activities as communicative as they could be? Are students creating language spontaneously? Today's episode is a leveling up episode where I coach Stephanie, a Spanish teacher in New Hampshire. Creating speaking activities that allow students to create language on their own is the area where she wants to level up her teaching practice. So let's start the conversation. Are you a language teacher looking for some reassurance that what you're doing in the classroom is on the right track? Or maybe you're looking for some ways to teach even more effectively. If you're one or the other or somewhere in between, you've landed in the right place. This is the World Language Classroom Podcast with your host, me, Joshua Cabral. You're about to get tips, tools, and resources so that your students continue to rise in proficiency and communicate with confidence. Let's jump in. Vamos, allons-y. Hello, my friends. Bonjour, mes amis. Hola, mis amigos. Welcome to the World Language Classroom Podcast. I am Joshua Cabral, and today we have a leveling up coaching episode. So this is an episode where I talk to a teacher about something in their classroom that uh, maybe has been a little bit of a challenge or that they want to do even better. So that is what we're going to be doing today. And I have the absolute pleasure of speaking with Stephanie today who is in New Hampshire, and she is a Spanish teacher. So welcome to the World Language Classroom podcast today, Stephanie. Thank you so much, Joshua, for having me. Oh, absolutely. Our topic today is going to focus on speaking activities and engaging. So can you just give us a little more context about what that area is for you and what you're looking to do with it? For me, speaking activities can be anything and everything to engage students in the content that they're learning, but also a way of administrators when they come in to kind of see that the students are actively engaged. Because I think one of the things that COVID taught us is that they want to see that students are active and um, involved in the lesson and not necessarily behind a computer screen or always involved in pencil and paper work. So I mm -hmm. want to see something that looks a little bit more active, uh, both from my account and then theirs. I want to come up with a goal for our conversation, something you can walk away with and try out in your classroom. So to help us get to that goal, there are a couple of questions I like to, to ask. So the first one is, can you provide an example being in your classroom, any class, you can decide the level, what's going on, where you have felt like this is not exactly where I would like it to be with this activity. Can you give us an example of what that might be? Sure. Um, I have used an activity before, which I really like the idea of it, but I guess once the students learn how to do it, it feels like they found the loopholes to, to mm -hmm. cheat it. And it's basically a 12 square uh, grid that you can make up of images or, or whatever. The idea is that students have a uh, draw out of an envelope. I have them draw out of an envelope to say a specific thing that's already pre-written uh, to their partner. And then they match that with an image or something similar on a worksheet. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of go around uh, changing turns to whoever draws it and then But the objective is speaking and listening and then writing. When you're in that situation, you're seeing that as a little bit of a challenge or a hurdle. So what mm -hmm. is the breakdown that happens there where you're hoping maybe it was a little more successful? I guess the breakdown would be that the students are 
reading things more and, and then they just give up or they they feel like reading it is faster than speaking it and mm-hmm. or they feel that their level of speaking isn't going to be correct or something to that nature. Mm-hmm. So then they give it to their partner to read. And and it could also be that they want to get through the activity faster. I, okay. I don't, it could be either one of those. I don't right. know. Right. So those are what are sort of contributing to that happening is they have this prompt that they're reading. So mm-hmm. it sounds like they're not having spontaneous language so much there because they're reading the prompt. So when you find that happening in your classroom, uh, what is something that you've done in the moment to try to mitigate that situation happening? I try to catch it when it happens, if Mm -hmm. I can. Mm -hmm. And if I can't catch it when it happens, I I have to stop the class and I say, okay, this is what I'm noticing. And I will flat out tell everybody, okay, I'm noticing that. Everyone is, uh, or most people are doing this and the objective, and I remind students of the objective, which is speaking practice, you know, and then they're really hurting themselves if they jump out of that, you know. So if we then start to look at our our goal now in that situation to go beyond that, I'm I have been using the term put on your rose colored glasses, right? Yes. Put on your rose colored glasses and you're looking forward a couple of months into your class this year and you're seeing the class where that's not happening. But what is happening is a really productive class, you're feeling it's a productive class, where you're seeing students engage with the language without having to stop and remind. So Mm -hmm. what are students doing in that class that is saying, I actually don't have to stop and redirect them? They are having more spontaneous speech with what they're able to um, produce. You know what I mean? Like with the vocabulary that they already have and feel confident that we've practiced the language enough and that the structure, the structures of what they're doing enough so that they don't need to feel like, Oh, I, I am not getting this a hundred percent correct. Or they don't have to feel like, that the only way to do it is to do it quickly and get it over with, just like a Band-Aid, you're ripping it off and, okay. and hoping for the best. Yeah. Listening to sort of where that challenge area is, what you've done with it, and then what you hope for it to be. I'm going to tell you what I'm hearing there and tell me if this is accurate or you could say, uh, maybe not, Joshua, this is really what I meant. But what I'm hearing there is that students are relying on predetermined prompts and things that they're going to say, and they're not using spontaneous language. And perhaps that's because they're not comfortable with the spontaneous language. And so we want to create situations in our classroom where students are using the language a little more spontaneously and creating more with language on their own, because the more they do that, the more comfortable they're going to get with it. But to focus on some activities that have a lot of predetermined language, and then have the expectation that they make that jump is where the struggle gets in there a bit. Am I am I understanding that? Yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah. So then I would say our goal will be to see that we have activities where students are using language more spontaneously 
but with the scaffolding they need to get there. Would that be a good goal for these activities? Yeah, no, I think that would be appropriate, yes. Okay, so we have to look at some ideas for scaffolding and making sure that the language is going to be spontaneous for them. As we look at a unit, let's look, as we look at some, some suggestions and things to consider, think about a unit that you're doing with one of your classes. It can be any unit. And let's look at what I call compelling input and compelling output. Now, we've heard of compelling input, right? That's the Stephen Krashen that, yes, it needs to be comprehensible input, but it also needs to be interesting and compelling so that students want to listen to it. But then I have this idea that I'm putting out there as compelling output, which is they need to be interested in how they're using the language if you want them to use it. Do you feel that the topics that they're talking about are not really that compelling to them? And maybe that's why they're not engaging? I think that that's part of it. I think that it's partly the topics that aren't engaging to them. I've been trying to get rid of my textbook and the series and try to go more towards the comprehensible input and you know, more about what are they trying to say versus what do I have to, you know, the grammar, the grammar approach that, you know, has been the last couple of years with the CI growth and all of that. Mm -hmm. So I think part of it is my own, I guess, reluctance in some way, like, I just don't know how to break out of, I, I have done a lot of CI stories, and I've done a lot, made my own materials, tried to make it as compelling as possible. But I also feel like I struggle with finding that the best balance to make it so compelling for them without going into just random weirdness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. But yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that what I will say to that end is when we focus on a particular method too much, that we end up getting into that structural rut sometimes. I will go back to something that I've often heard from Florencia Henshaw, and she says that we should focus on principles and not labels. And so that, oh, I'm doing a um, this storytelling technique, which is in CI, but look at the why you're doing it. What's the principle behind it? And if there's another way to engage that principle without doing that, then try that out as well to not feel like we, oh, we have to go only through this methodology. If you remove the storytelling, I mean, do it sometimes. You know, some teachers, it's everything they do in their classroom and it works for them. So for some teachers, it doesn't. So let's look at the principles of it. What would your students want to talk about that they're interested in? I'm going to take a guess <laughs> that they mm -hmm. would want to talk about social media, to talk about um, anything that's relevant in their lives, you know, up and coming singers, anything that's mm -hmm. relevant to their own personal lives and less so on other stuff. I think that's the direction then that we want to look at. Mm -hmm. If you want them to engage and talk, give them something that they want to engage with and talk about. Mm -hmm. And trying to put that in the structure of a CI-based story based on the methodology of doing that can be challenging. But if they are watching a quick video of a singer that they enjoy or a, a part of a movie clip that they like or you're seeing you know, social media, something that's on Instagram 
or just something that is of interest to them. And it doesn't have to actually be an Instagram post. They can just look like it was one, right? (laughs) Or you can even ask them to send you screenshots of what they've seen. As soon as they see that picture of an actor that they enjoy or a new movie that's coming out or a singer, that's going to be compelling to them. And then we need to put over that what is going to be the, the structure and the vocabulary and get them to have language to engage with that. So have you used chat mats in your classroom? No, I haven't. I've heard about them, but I haven't done it yet. So I think that this is going to be a good tool that will be a good scaffold. So we talked about scaffolding. So chat mats essentially have language that students can use to engage in their speaking or even their writing. So it might have things on there like adjectives to describe a song or adjectives to describe a movie, or different ways of expressing opinion. I like, I don't like, I really like, I prefer that, different things like that. And then you might have some conjunctions on there, and, but, all those therefore, because. And so when you ask students to give their opinion on something, or to even ask a question, you could have question forms on there as well with the question words. Then when they're engaging with a partner in a speaking activity or even in a whole class activity, they can refer to that chat mat and say, what was your favorite part of the movie? And then they could say, oh, my favorite part was, and depending on the level, if it's a novice level, you might actually have those starter phrases on there. My favorite part was, my favorite actor is, uh, my favorite type of music is. And so they can ask those questions and then have that language on there with some choices of vocabulary or their own, they can always use their own as well, to then engage in that and then have follow-up questions. Having that chat mat gives us structure to what they're going to use, and it's something to fall back on while creating on their own, but within a context that is interesting and compelling to them, rather than always saying, what furniture's in your bedroom? Or what do you like to eat? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like those types of things. So uh, so that's the first thing there is that whole idea of, is it compelling? Is it interesting? Not just the topic, but how they're using it. So just have a conversation about is not the most compelling thing. But if it is, you have three movies that you can go to see this weekend with your friends. And it's three popular movies that everybody wants to see. Your output, which makes it compelling, is you need to say three things to convince your partner of which movie you should go and see. And they're all movies they want to see, and they're current, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's something you can set up a template. And every four months when the new movies are out there, just change up what the movie titles are. They already know what they are, or the new songs. Like if you look at the top three songs right now, And you can say, here are 10 songs. Which ones would you say are the top three songs? And they don't have to be target language songs. It would be amazing if it were, if you're using target language songs in your classroom. But what they're doing in their lives, they're going to have favorite songs. And they're going to want to talk about that. And you can use chat mats to do that as well, to make sure that they have the language to then engage with it. But the whole point when we're looking at these speaking activities is to have a goal at the end. So it's not just say what your favorite movie is. 
say what your favorite song is. With that example I just gave about the movies is you need to convince your partner which of these three movies you're going to go and see this weekend and why. Like That's the goal. And in the end, did you convince them? And it's fine if you didn't, but did you make a good argument for it? So that that's the goal. The goal isn't to talk about your favorite movie. It's to convince them to go and see it. So see how that's a, a different sort of way of looking at it? Yeah, no, and I appreciate yeah. that because I think it's helpful to kind of have that different phraseology in mind because mm-hmm. I think the oftentimes I fall into the trap of, you know, oh, what is what do you like to eat for breakfast, lunch, dinner, you know, mm-hmm. instead of maybe um, thinking about food since I brought it up, uh, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, convince your parents to try something new. Right. Or so look at these three restaurants and which one would you go to with your friend who's a vegetarian? Right. Yeah. You know, and then they have to look through maybe a couple of menus and say, well, this one has one option for my friend who's a vegetarian. So probably not the best one. Right. This one has lots of options that don't have meat. So this would be a good one. So given these options, which one would work best? Mm -hmm. You know, and you can do that in different ways. You know, here are these three songs. Choose a random friend. Which song do you think would be their favorite and why? You know, and then you can bring cultural pieces into it. So not to just keep it about them, but it's sort of, well, let's look at what people your age are listening to in this country and popular. And let's listen to the top five songs in Mexico right now. And let's figure out which one would be your favorite. Which one do you think is the most popular? Why would you think that? You know, so keeping it compelling for them and looking at it that way. So if we look at a bit of an action plan, for moving forward. So for this week, and whether this week means, you know, you're actually going to do it this week, or just really soon, I think the the this week is something that we can be doing to feel like this is motivational, because you can actually continue like you want a quick win. So you can be motivated to keep going. So what I would say for this week is to look at creating a chat mat about opinions, you know, and Don't start that from scratch. You can find those all over Pinterest. You can Google, you know, Spanish chat, Matt, about opinions. You'll find them out there. You can also use AI, go into chat GPT and say, give me five examples for Spanish to intermediate low opinions or different activity verbs or things like that. So you can leverage AI tools to make those and you can find them all over the the internet. I would say that would be the the first thing. So once you have those to provide to students, then you have that scaffold where they can speak spontaneously, but also feel supported without you having to stop the activity. And then in the coming weeks or for like the goal for the year is to continue to look at those themes that are going to be compelling to students. If you do uh, do now, do 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 nows in your classroom Mm -hmm. and sometimes exit tickets as students Mm -hmm. are leaving, that's another way of doing it. So you can leverage do nows and exit tickets to see what students are up to. So your exit ticket doesn't necessarily always have to be about something that directly happened in the class. But you could say your exit ticket today, I just want you to write down your favorite song right now. And then you gather all those at the end and you have this list of everyone's favorite songs in the classroom. And you can use that when you're doing an activity or events that are coming up at school in the next three weeks. 
because there might be a concert or something that's happening that you didn't know about. There's a big sports game, art shows, all kinds of things are happening that we're not always aware of in our classrooms. So you can take that information from students and then work that in. Like, what are they looking forward to? So chat mats, first thing, and then ongoing to find those things that are of interest to students to bring in and help making it compelling. I'm going to send you all the notes on this that we talked about. Okay. And I'm also going to follow up with you in a couple of months to see where we are. Mm -hmm. But do you have any uh, questions or comments on it? I guess my question would be, how does that, the activity that you're proposing fit in with a unit of vocabulary. Like I can see where it could definitely tie into movies or, you know, foods or something like that. But something that I found is can be challenging is when you're doing units that don't necessarily lend themselves well to that kind of a thing. Do you just do it anyway and say, well, whatever? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what I'm wondering. Can you give me an example of a unit that you think this would be challenging with? I would say sometimes like uh, possibly family or like you said before, the house, you know, mm-hmm. rooms of the house. Either ones of those are ones. And I know I have family on the mind right now because that's going to be one of my first units mm-hmm. and it's Spanish one. So I'm just thinking, okay, you know, how can I use that? And I know that houses was one of my most challenging ones last year. You could take it and put a cultural piece on it. And you could just Google search a couple of pictures of houses, apartments, condos, whatever they are in different Spanish speaking countries. And you can use those as the prompts in the conversation. Right. Like you could say, which country do you think this is in? Yeah. You know, they look at a picture and they could say, oh, it could be Mexico. It could be Panama. It could be Spain. It could be Argentina. It could be Chile. And why do you think it is? Mm-hmm. You know, so you can look around like there might be something like you've done weather, mm-hmm. you know, or you can take the house and have them talk about things that are happening there. Like I, I like to give students a picture particularly at the novice level, and have them use all the language they can to discuss it. So they might say the weather, what month they think it is, what time is it, because, you know, it's during the day. And so you use all their language, and they're just looking at a picture of a house. And then you use that, and they can build on that. Okay, so uh, if you were in the living room of this house, what would you do? Um, Is there a yard? Or is this an apartment? Like we always say house, but right. you know, yeah. when we look in terms of, of equity in our world, that some people are going to be living in an apartment, right? So this is an apartment building. So which floor would you want to live on? Or which floor do you think has the best view? You know, so you can look at it different ways that way. Mm-hmm. So it's, again, taking the content and making it compelling for students, Like if you could live in any one of these three places, where would you live? And one would be in a very urban place. One would be more countryside, you know, so that it would have different options. You know, this is a place where you'd have to have a car to get around. This is a place where you use public transportation, you know, so it's, it's really opening up the idea of house 
and giving them opportunities to to talk about it. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those things where like when I when I reach out in a couple of months and you've done this, I'm like, I want to know what you did and let's see if like what worked and let's build on it for the the next unit. And as much as you can build templates, that's mm-hmm. another sustainable thing. Like you mentioned at the beginning that when students see the the envelope of prompts, they know how to do that activity now, like maybe too well that they find the loopholes, right? So we do want students to recognize what the activity is. So we're not always explaining something new, but we want to change out the content and prompts enough of what they're doing with the content so that they're not looking for those, those loopholes. You know, like they, you might be, okay, you have three pictures. That means you're going to make a choice for some reason, but that could be a different choice depending on what it's pictures of. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I, I do like the template idea. And I feel that, you know, when I've used images in maybe a Google slide sort of a thing, and I've Mm -hmm. changed it up and I've done speaking activities that way Mm -hmm. and it does give them the choices. I mean, usually it's at the end of a unit, but Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier for them when they have that visual cue to kind of help them. And adding mm-hmm. the language would be another scaffold, as you're mentioning, to yeah. kind of help them along with the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, Stephanie, thank you so very much for your time and willingness to jump into this. Definitely give those chat mats a try. I think you will see that that's really helpful with students. And we will talk soon about how things are going. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. What insights or inspiration did you take away from that coaching session? If you want to dive deeper into your own teaching practice, consider joining me for a leveling up episode. Just click the link in the show notes and we can set it up. You'll also see a link while you're there for Talking Points, my weekly email newsletter with tips and resources for language teaching. I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the World Language Classroom podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so that you never miss an episode. Let's keep the conversation going on social media. Connect with me on X, aka Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at WL Classroom. And for even more valuable resources, visit my website, wlclassroom.com, where you'll find over 300 blog posts about language teaching. So stay inspired, keep growing, and continue making a difference in your language classroom.